When you just get your eyes on Jesus, it kind of settles a lot of other things. Sometimes we get so focused on the world, don't we? Just get so focused on the wrong things, and all of a sudden we just wake up one day and say, where am I? What am I doing? What, well, how did I get here? And it's just simply losing focus. It's getting your eyes off of Christ and getting them onto the world. And when I say get them on the world, usually that means get them onto yourself. We're talking about a guy today that was always, he was so inwardly focused. He was so selfish, and his name is Jonah. And uh, I was telling uh, this young man, I always asked me every Sunday, he said, what are you preaching on today, Pastor? And I said, Jonah. He said, well, I never heard of Jonah. I said, well, you're going to hear about Jonah today. Because I'm starting a new series called Go Fish. Anybody ever played Go Fish? Some of you are not willing to admit it. Is it just an Anglo game, or does everybody play that? Okay, Go Fish. Some of you actually had the Go Fish cards, remember? That's the upper elite families. Others, you just had to use playing cards. Give me all your queens, you know. So I don't know why God gave me that title. He just said there's so many things about fish in the Bible that are so extraordinary. They're, always, they're, they're attached to miracles. They're always attached to something really, really important in the Word. So I've been studying fish <laughs> for the last few weeks, and uh, God's led me to this sermon series called Go Fish. And I, So we're going to go fish today. We're going to talk about one of the, the biggest fish probably ever created. Now, a lot of people think about Jonah, and they think about the whale. The, the Bible does not say this, this was a whale, okay? So I'm going to go with the Bible, that God can cre- do whatever he wants to whenever he wants to. I mean, listen, if he can create billions of galaxies, don't you think he can make a big fish? Seriously? Well, I don't know if it's a whale, or I don't know if he could get a human being. Into it. it doesn't matter what you think. It's what God's Word says. And so you can either choose to believe what God's Word says, or you can choose to believe, well, that's just a, a fairy tale of myth. I believe this actually happened. I believe this is an actual event that happened in the Word of God. And so when you have, if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 1. It's just four chapters. There's not many verses. We're not going to do all of the verses, but we're going to do a lot of them. Because it's just one of those, it's one of those events in, in history and in, in in how God moved in this event that speaks to us on a thousand different levels. Man, if you're a preacher and you want to find a subject and you want to go to Jonah, you could preach a long time on Jonah because there's so many applications of how this interacts with our life, how it affects our lives. And so this morning we're going to look at this, uh, this, this story that many of you heard as a child. I mean, I remember my mother reading me about the, about the whale, and she always she called it a whale. And, but it's really a story about hearing God and obeying God and not running from your calling. And, it's an, and, it's, and also it's about, we talked about this Wednesday night, it's about suicide, it's about suicidal thoughts, it's about depression, it's about selfishness, it's about arrogance, it's about, it's about so many things. So this morning we're just going to see what God wants to show us because you're here this morning, some of you are here this morning, and you may not say it vocally, you may not, you may not come to the altar at the end of the service, but some of you are running from God. Just some of you are running from him. You're running from the call on your life. So we're going to look at this man's life. So if you'll turn to Jonah 1, we're going to read the first three verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me, has come up before me. So there's, here's the, the foundation is that the, the Ninevites were Gentiles and they were mean people. They were wicked. God says they were wicked people. And Jonah was Jewish. So you have to have this understanding before you really go much further into the story. 
So God says, Jonah, I want you to go and cry out. He just said, go out and cry out to this city. Okay? God, God loves everybody. He's not, he's not a respecter of persons. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to get out from under the presence of God. That don't work so well. He went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. Listen, he's paying somebody good money to get away from God. And he went down into it. He went down into the boat or the ship to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Two times God mentions in Scripture here that he's trying to get away from his presence. You know, when you don't want to obey God, you know what you want to do? You want to get away from his presence. Because really, I love to be in the presence of God. It's in His presence that miracles happen. It's in His presence that we pray. We pray prayers that are strengthened. We pray We pray prayers that we actually uh, communicate with God and we hear His answers. It's in His presence that He instructs us. Some people don't want to get into His presence because they're afraid He's going to call them to do something. Here is the first time. If I do that, we'll be here for like three hours. So Jonah heard God speak to him very clearly. I want you to go and I want you to preach to the Ninevites. Now, our thoughts, listen, let's, let's just be human here. Let's just be real. What do you think about Jonah in this instance? Chicken! Disobedient! Man, I, I'd have been Jonah. I would have gone. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't miss God. Man, I would, I would do exactly what he said. Really? Yo, when he walk across the street to tell your neighbor about Jesus. Oh, no, he's meddling now. I, I read a commentary, and this, this, was, this really made it come, to me, come home to me because I used to think of Jonah like that. I said, man, you're an idiot. Why don't you just do what God told you to do? You know he's going to be there with you. He's going to do it for you. But we think differently, don't we, as human beings? It would have been like in the, hit, in the heyday of Hitler, Listen, think about it this way. It would have been like God saying to a Jewish person, I want you to go to Germany while in the midst of Hitler's rise, and I want you to preach to the Germans about God. Think about that. Oh, <clears throat> well, I, uh, yeah. I think God, maybe you misunderstood. I'm, I Really, I'm all in, but I'm just not all in that much. So let's give him a, let's cut him a little slack there. Okay, because he was asking him to do a hard thing. In his mind, this is, I'm going, I'm, I'm just sending me to the, into the, the lion's den, God. I don't like these people. They're ugly. They're mean. They're, they're, the Gentiles are dirty. God, anything but that. So he was trying to run away from the presence of God. But listen, how many of you have ever tried to run from God? He will hunt you down. If you think God goes, oh, where did Harold go? Jonah, where did Jonah go? I, I, I don't. Jesus said, you, nah. "Holy Spirit, have you seen?" It isn't like that with God. Look at Psalm one thirty nine seven. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Listen, you cannot get away from God. You just can't. 
If you think you're going to escape from God, you may escape in your mind for moments at a time. But listen, after the high, after the drunk, after the pleasure, after whatever it is you're going after to hide from God, He's going to be like, right there. Hello. Good morning. Oh, you're still here. You know? Because He still calls you. He still has a calling upon your life. He loves you that much that He's not going to let go of you. Some of us think that's a curse, but it's a blessing. Verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. I want to tell you that when you try to run from God, He will get your attention. And sometimes it's not in good ways. You know, Jesus, uh, He's laying in the boat. There's a lot of parallels here, a lot of things that from New Testament. He's laying in the boat, and then the, the winds come up, the storm comes up, and the disciples, Oh, Jesus, you brought us out here in the ocean to die. And He wakes up and He says, Stop. Waves. Settle down. Wind cease. Isn't that good? Oh, and God's got a peace. I just love it when God just brings peace in my life. But here God says, storm, wake up. Winds blow. You see, God doesn't always, he's not always that kind of God. Listen, if he has to get your attention with a storm, he will send a storm. Oh, pastor, I like the peace part better. I like him when he calms the seas. So do I. And the Lord can calm the sea, but he can also stir it up. He's the master of the sea. We tend to blame all of our storms on the devil, don't we? Well, the devil, man, he is just giving me a rough time. No, you gave yourself a rough time. You opened the door to something. Or God said, listen, I've got to get John's attention. I've got to discipline him a little bit. I've got to get his attention. How many of you know that God got your attention at one time or another? You were going down the wrong road and God got your attention. I don't know. If we passed the mic around, some of you would say, man, you would not believe what happened to me, Pastor. I used to deal with guys in jail and they said, man, God, God put me in jail. And I said, no, 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 no. God didn't put you in jail. You put yourself in jail. Because if God put you in jail, that's saying God made you break the law so you go to jail. God wouldn't do that. But I'm telling you what, he allowed something to happen in your life so he could meet you at the point of your greatest need. So you better be paying attention to the storms, church. What storm are you in this morning? Don't necessarily think it's the devil. Maybe it's God stirring something up in you to get your life right and get back on track where you're supposed to go. He will get your attention. You know why he'll get your attention? Because he just absolutely loves you. He absolutely does love you. Verse 5, then the Mariners were afraid. It's not the Seattle Mariners. It's not the baseball team. Then the Mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. Now listen to this. This is interesting. And they threw the cargo. That's called jettisoning. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. Now, I've never understood that. I always thought if you're in a ship and, and the, the wind was tossing you around, you want to be a heavier ship. So it wouldn't move so fast, but that's not the case. They, they would throw things off. Man, can you imagine trying to figure out what to throw off the ship? And they were throwing off food and all this sort of thing to lighten the load. But here's Jonah. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the ships. He had lain down, and he was fast asleep. <sighs> Oblivious to what was going on above. Okay? Jonah was a very selfish man. He was running. He thought he'd escaped God. I'm just going to go down and I'm just going to catch some Z's. I don't know what go, what's going on up there. It seemed like a little commotion, but I think I'll just go to sleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. 
God wants the church to wake up. Many of the church, much of the church is in the bowels of the ship. They're in the lower part of the ship and they're sleeping and snoozing while the storm of this world is going around us. You know why? Because they don't want to do anything. They don't want to get involved. You know, they, they just want to, they want to do their own thing. People in churches, believe it or not, they want to do their own thing in God, instead of God's thing. So they're sleeping. He's sleeping down in the bottom of the ship. And up above, listen, this is the world. Listen, is the picture of the world. Up above, they're praying to all the gods they can find out. All the gods that they can conjure up. Hey, anybody got a crystal? We need to pray to the crystal. The storm's got to go. Anybody know Buddha? Let's call Buddha. Buddha, baby, he'll calm the storm. Man, they're calling on all the gods. I don't know. They had the sun god, the moon god, the, 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 the ocean god. They had all the gods, and they're calling on all the gods. Isn't that happening in our world today? We have people calling on all the gods, but there's only one true living God. And the one true living God, the man that lived for him, was in the bow of the ship asleep. Church has got to wake up. Church has got to wake up. You know why? Because we have the answer. We have the only answer. Why wouldn't we not go across the street? God did not call you to go to the Ninevites. He might have called you to go across the street to your neighbor, the person in your work workplace in the next cubicle over. He might have called you to speak to that waitress at the restaurant. He might have called you to speak to that person at Walmart. He might have asked you to pay for something for somebody else. He might Listen, he's going to speak to you because he wants you to wake up and be aware that there are things going on around us. And Jesus is the only answer. He's the only answer. And we act like we don't know the answer. Verse 7, and they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Now, I don't know how they're casting lots on a ship that's going like this. <laughs> Roll the dice. Woo! There they go. <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but they were casting lots. That was just the way people did things. They were trying to figure out who, who was causing all this trouble. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us. For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are your people? Who are your people? Man, they're drilling this guy. He's the only one that's like, what? Huh? What? What do y'all want to know? Sleeping down below. So I want you to get this verse. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Well, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. The fear of God must translate into faith in God. Let me say that again. Fear of God must translate into faith in God. It's one thing to say who you are. It's another thing to be who you're supposed to be. It's easy. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a member of Freedom Fellowship. I'm a member of this church. I've been going there for 20 years. You know, whatever. You can say whatever you want to. It's easy to say what we are, but do people see who you are? Do they see the real Jesus in you? Because here you're going, well, I fear God. You know, they're thinking, well, if you fear God, why would you get us in all this trouble? Why didn't you just listen to him and obey him? You hearing me? They're, they're pointing out, I'm, I'm sure there's a conversation going on here, Misha, like, so you you say you're the God, your God is the God, right? And, and you're sleeping in the boat and you're going to Tar, and he told you where to go, to, to, Nineveh, to, to Nineveh? Why didn't you go to Nineveh? Why are you going the opposite direction? But wait, I, I love God, I fear God. Well, okay. 
It didn't kind of it didn't really wash, did it? At least, though, he's acknowledging that God is the creator of all. Then Deuteronomy 8, 6 says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. You know how you know that people really fear God? They walk in his ways and they keep his commandments. And I'm talking about a reverential, awesome fear of God. There's a, there is a healthy fear of God. Not that he's going to take you out if you mess up, but that you love him so much, you revere him so much that you want to walk with him. Listen, who else would you want to walk with? Verse 11. See how we're moving right through this. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? Everybody really wants to know what's in it for how they're going to get it fixed, right? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And Jonah said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. I titled this next section, It's Never Just About You. See, Jonah thought it was all about him. Really what God was doing was because he loved the Ninevites. And he was using Jonah to get them saved. He was using Jonah to get them corrected into walking with God. Way back in the Old Testament, or you know, the Jews were the special people. But God said, even through the Old Testament, he said, no, let's go save the Ninevites. Our disobedience doesn't just affect us, church. It affects others. Your disobedience may be jeopardizing others right now. The fact that you have run from the calling, you're disobeying God in your life, in your life walk right now, doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you. It affects your family. It affects the people at your workplace. Because Jonah was not obedient to God, it could have affected over 100,000 Ninevites. See, we don't understand sometimes how important that each individual is in the kingdom of God. Every one of you are important in your families. Every one of you are important where you work. Every one of you are important where you go to school. Wherever you go, every one of you are important to God. And it's not just because he loves you, but he loves that person next to you that he wants you to speak to, for you to love on, to pour some grace on. Think of this. When I was thinking, I was writing this, I was thinking, I thought, what, what was a good example that I know of for Jonah? And it was Don Babin. God said, Don, Michelle, uh, I know you're doing great here in the United States of America, and I know you've had a big church, and you live in a nice home here in Houston area, and your family's good, everything's good. I just want you to, just, here's, here's what I want you to do, Don, Michelle. Just sell everything you got, and I want you to go reach this tribe in Kenya. They're the Maasai tribe. They're warriors. They live out in the bush. Uh, okay, God, this sounds like a plan. I think I'll do that. M- Michelle, let's pray about it. Yeah, I think, I think we'll do that. Or he could have said, are you kidding me, God? Can you hear John saying that? <laughs> Woo, are you kidding me, God? You got a, you got a great sense of humor, God. What, is, what, what does my sign mean? <laughs> In what? Where's the country? In Kenya? Are you kidding me? But he didn't. He said, okay, God. That's the call. We'll sell everything we got. We'll hawk it all. And we'll give up our life as we've known it, even with our children. And we'll go to Africa. Months and months and months out of the year. And we'll go into the bush. 
and we'll we'll go into those mud tents that were made with mud and dung, and we'll we'll eat that boiled chicken, and we'll that doesn't have any spices or any flavorings, and, and we'll 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 set up our little video and we'll show them about Jesus and we'll pray for them and we'll preach and and we'll we'll teach them, we'll do that God, and thousands and thousands and thousands of these tribes of people that are basically unreached in lots of areas. Some of them have been, but they go to the bush where they've never even seen a white man, much less heard about Jesus. He's been obedient to the call. And because he has church, listen, when he gets to heaven, there's going to be a line of black people. And they're in the, I don't know if they're going to be in their, in their garb or not. I doubt it, but Don's going to know them, and, he's going to know, and they're going to know Don and Michelle. And they're going to get in line and say, Thank you for not disobeying thank you for obeying god thank you for coming you were our only hope but see some of you are the only hope for your neighbor you might live in a pagan neighborhood and you may be the only christian in the neighborhood you put up a cross on easter and you put up a cross at christmas and your neighbors think you're an idiot you're, you're, you're weird and you're going out and i said i believe and i love jesus and i'm standing for christ and you need to be that person in your neighborhood that that light shines through it's never just about you. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return. And these guys are pretty good guys. They didn't want to have to throw this guy over. They didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They didn't want to kill the guy. So they tried to row to land. That's us in our flesh trying to fix stuff. <gasps> you know, striving. Let's really work hard, y'all. We got to written. Listen, he didn't want us to work hard. He wants us to just work easy in the presence of God. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow. God was going, oh, come on, guys, quit. If y'all just quit rowing, and it's, if y'all keep rowing, I'm just going to make the waves higher. <laughs> so they finally just, they said, man, we can't do this anymore. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. Look who they're crying out to now. Not to their gods. Crying out to the capital L O R D Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with his innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You need to understand that God will do as it pleases him. You want to try to explain God and try to figure him and put him in a box? He'll do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. You just got to get, you just have to understand that. So they picked up Jonah. <laughs> Do y'all see this mental? Do y'all see the video in your head? So they picked up Jonah. The boat's going like this. Water's everywhere. Jonah's like, just throw me over the board. I want to die. It threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. <whistles> oh, get him back. <laughs> it's calm now. Get him back. That's what I would have thought. Oh, boy, did we throw him in a little too early, guys. <laughs> they threw him into the sea, and it just stopped. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. See, it's never about just one person. So I thought, how does this apply to us? Well, some of you need to get rid of some things. Some of you in this room need to get rid of some things. It's called jettisoning if you want to save the boat. You want to save your family? Some of you need to get rid of some things. Some of you need to quit watching some things that you watch. Some of you need to quit listening to some things you listen to. Some of you need to quit going to places you've been going to. Oh, but God, I like that. 
Bible says, you know, we're, we're supposed to, we've got this race to run, and there's these things that weigh us down. It's called sin. He says we need to set it aside, the things that tangle us up. Set it aside so we can run the race. Can we run? We can run the race without all the hindrances of life. Some of you've got some things. You're running the race right now. And you get some where you get bogged down in the race. You go, what's what's bogging me down? God said, well, you need to get rid of some things that you're holding on to. It's like the little boy that he had his his hand was in the va- in the jo- in the vase. You ever heard that story about the little boy? And they said, what's his hand stuck in the vase? He had his hand in this vase, and they didn't know what to do, what to get it out. It's a very valuable vase. They didn't want to break the vase. They said, son, what's, what, why can't we butter? They tried oil, nothing. We get it out. And finally, one of them figured out something about the little boy. They said, what are you holding on to? He said, a penny. He said, let go of the penny. Whoop. What are you holding on to that's keeping you stuck? What are you holding on to? I'm telling you, it's not worth it. And these guys said, well, we got to get rid of something. If there's anything, we got to get rid of this guy. We're all going to die. Some of you are holding on to some relationships you need to get out of. I'm not talking about husbands and wives. <laughs> I just got to qualify that. Hey, baby, there's my out right there. Uh-uh. That would be counseling. But some of you, you are in unholy alliances. Maybe a partnership. Maybe a business partnership. I don't know. Just thought about it. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. We get to the fish now. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish, not a, not a whale, a whale's a mammal, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God's preparation. Think about God's preparation. Have you ever done a rewind of your life to see how you got where you were today? I want you to do that real quick. Just rewind. And think about the things that God prepared along the road in your life to bring you to where you are today. It may not have been a big fish, but some event in your life may have catapulted you into the kingdom. Some person in your life may have brought you to Jesus Christ. Some event in your life, maybe it was a health issue, maybe it was a financial issue, maybe it was a family issue, but all of a sudden your back was against the wall and you said, God, what what can I do? And God says, you can turn to me now. God has been preparing things all along in our lives for such a time as this. Man, I can go back and recount how things in our life just begin to fall away. And we're like, God, what are you doing to us? He said, I'm refining you, Harold and Mary Lou. I'm getting you ready for something. And he had everything prepared, but we couldn't see the preparation. And in the midst of not seeing the preparation, we would go, God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. And anybody ever been there besides me? It doesn't make sense. And God said, I got this. I'm preparing this. I got the fish. He's waiting. I made a fish just for you. Listen, he created a fish. Big fish. I used to think, man, it was such a big fish. It was probably like an RV fish. Then I came to know that God was not happy with Jonah, so it was not probably that. I love this. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12 says, But as it is written, eyes not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
For God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Now listen, we're talking about going down deep in the water. But God says, yes, the deep things of God. He's prepared things for us and they're deep things. Some of you need to get out of the kiddie pool today. Oh, that's just, I like this year. Some of you really you need to take the floaties off. And you need to get on the diving board of the deep end and jump in and say, God, I want to go to the deep with you. But I can't swim. Guess what? He might prepare a fish for you. That's why he works. If he calls you to do something, I promise you that he's going to supply the need. He's going to supply the whatever that you need to accomplish what he's called you to do. That's just our God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received. Say, I've received. Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. Say, I've received the spirit from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So if we're listening to him, if we know we received him, then he's speaking to his children. He's preparing things for you. And listen, if you're just stuck in a rut, God wants you out of the rut today. He wants you out of the shallow end to step into the deep end. He's calling us to deep things by the Spirit. Jonah went into the deep to die. We die to self to enter into the deep things of God and of his Holy Spirit. Verse 1 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He sounded so religious here, guys. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And I think God's going, really, Jonah? That's your prayer? You know, sometimes when we get in situations, we have a religious prayer for it. You'll see what I'm saying. You think I'm kind of mocking him here. Well, I kind of am. Because you'll see his heart was not into that prayer. His heart, he wanted to die. He was still suicidal. I call that a gutsy prayer. (laughs) He's praying from the gut of the whale or the fish. Just thought I'd throw that in for Joe. Here I go again. I'm thinking about myself if I was in the belly of a fish. Anybody here claustrophobic? How would you have done in there? See, I think he was like this in there. I do. I just think he was—he was in the belly, wasn't in the intestines. Well, he's going there soon. He was in the belly. He said all the seaweed, all the water. It's can you imagine that? You can, some of you can't even go into one of those MRI tunnel things without getting like, give me a, let me give me some drugs. And he's in this fish for three days. I'm telling you what, God will get your attention. And he doesn't want any 
Oh, religious prayers get you out of it. He wants you to be real. Here's my prayer. If I was swallowed by the fish, Mike. Help! Get me out of here. God, what do you want me to do? I'll go to Nineveh. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Get me out of this fish. That's my prayer. Amen. <laughs> that would be my religious prayer. But isn't that what we do when we get stuck? We get in a place where we don't like it at all. God, help me. God said, well, just listen to me. Obey me. You'll, you'll miss the fish. You'll miss it. But we sometimes we just got to go through those things, guys. Sometimes we just do. Because sometimes we're not, we don't listen. Then verse 10. Oh, this is what I'm speaking. So the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah into dry land. Animals listen to God better than humans do. They do. Donkeys speak. Okay. Donkey speaks. Fish, swallow that coin there. Okay. Somebody's going to come get in a minute. Don't worry about it. Fish, gather up over here. I want 152 of you now in that net. They listen. And we go, what? You want me to do what? <laughs> the lukewarm prophet. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Why do I call this section of this verse the lukewarm prophet? Because Jonah reminds me of the lukewarm church in, Re in Revelation 3. Jesus said this, I know your works, the church at Laodicea, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. See, I think Jonah was so lukewarm. That fish that get me, let him, I want him out, God. I'm getting human poisoning here. No, three days, you can endure. You know, later, God, Jesus quoted from Jonah about being in the belly of a fish three days, the sign of Jonah. A whole different way. So here's what I want you to see here, the grace of God in this story. God did not want Jonah to fail. You have to understand that first and foremost. He didn't want him to fail. He didn't want to have to send a storm. He didn't want to have to send a storm to your life. He didn't want to have to send a big fish, but he did. He didn't want to have to send whatever in your life to get you back on track. He didn't want to, didn't, but he will. It just comes down to all he wanted Jonah to do is obey him. Just simply obey him. And now he just wanted Jonah to repent. Jonah, I don't need your pretty prayers. I just need you to repent. That's what Jesus wanted the church. Listen, he didn't give up on the church at Laodicea. He didn't. He didn't give up on the church. Look what he said in verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You can actually put in there, as many as I love, I might send a big fish to catch you in the bottom of the, bottom of the ocean. I rebuke, I rechase, and therefore be zealous and repent. Jonah, just repent. I love you, Jonah. I love the Ninevites. Just repent and do what I said for you to do at the, at the first. Now, I love this. This is almost comical. Chapter 3. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying... Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. 
So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Y'all think that's funny? Uh, yeah, I'm going. I got my bags back. God, I'm ready. I'm not catching the ship. Uh-uh. I'm done with that. He said, go to Nineveh, and according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, okay, I want you all to hear this. This is one of the greatest evangelical messages of all time. Eight words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now I'm going home, God. I've done what you said to do. Eight words. Here's the God of second chances. He said, if you'll just say this, you just wait and see what I'll do. Some of us think we've got to have all this stuff figured out. We've got to have the right words to say to the right, you know, at the right timing. We, oh, I just got to do this right and that right. I've got to go. I've got to understand this. I've got to study the scripture. I can't. And God just said, whoa, 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 just say this. Hey, neighbor, how you doing today? God bless you. That's it? Yeah, that's all I want you to tell me today. Okay, I can do that. Oh, thou neighbor across the, the seas of the water, the streets. How be it that thou art troubled today? No, you don't have to have all the language. You just say, hey, hey, how you doing? Looks like your yard can use more and you need a, a my, my lawnmower is good. You want to use it? Yeah, that'd be great. Start loving on somebody. You don't have to be all fancy. Eight words and 120,000 people, king and 120,000 Ninevites turned to God. They repented in sackcloth and ashes and all of that stuff. And they've sacrificed to the Lord and they turned to the God of Jonah. And I wish this story had one of those happy endings, but it does not. And I'm skipping verse down to chapter 4. I'm just going to read uh, uh, four more verses, then we're going to quit. Can you imagine being an evangelist and going and preaching an eight word sermon and people are just flooding the altar? <laughs> What are you saying? What are you saying? No, 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 no. Wait, I haven't, I haven't done my three-point speech yet. Wait, get back. Stop. We haven't even sung just as I am yet. Let's do this right. Eight words. Eight words. Not even really good-sounding words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. God can work with whatever you comes out of your mouth if, if you're letting God control you. But listen what happened. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you're gracious and merciful, God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. He said, I knew you would do that if I went. I knew you would forgive them. That's why I didn't want to go, God. You know that. Some of you got some of you have people that you don't like. You don't want them to get saved. I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. They might get saved and be nice. You think I'm kidding? He was an angry man. Jonah was angry. He hated these people. He displeased him. He said, God, if you send me and I preach, then they're going to get saved. And then what have I got to do? Gee. 
Look what he says in verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, just please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Oh, my goodness. Just 120,000 converts, and I just, just kill me, God. I don't know an evangelist could, would even think that way. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? We're going to stop there. Because Jonah never repented. He never relented. And God still used him. How much more could God have done with Jonah if he would have done what God said with a heart of love? How many more cities could Jonah have gone to? Judy, think about it. Nineveh, where else, God? I'll take the order of human to go. See, you know what? You do. We miss blessings when we disobey God. We miss conversions. We miss salvations. We miss healings. We miss miracles when we don't walk in obedience with God. I don't want to. I, want, I don't want to miss out on those things. Don't be like Jonah. That that was actually that was going to be the title of my sermon. And I changed it. Don't be like Jonah. Walk with God. Listen to God. Obey God. Even when you have to go down and you have to go through some hardships, just repent. And let God do what He wants to do in your life to touch the lives of other people. Would you stand this morning? Can we have the ministry team come to the front? In a group this size, I don't know how many people are here, three, four hundred, something like that. There's somebody in here, maybe more than one, maybe a bunch. You're just flat out running from God. And you're wondering why he just won't let you run. You're just wondering why he won't let you go. And he won't let you go because he loves you. And he's the God of first and second and third and fourth chances and so many more chances. And he's not done with you yet. You haven't accomplished probably everything that God has for you to accomplish. And you're on that road to discovering what God's plan is for your life. So I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Ministry team, everybody close your eyes. I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it today. I just feel like it's important for you. Not for me, it's important for you. To be honest with God. Just to be honest with Him. I'm going to ask you a question or two. I'm going to ask you first, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Him to come in and fill you up? Have you, have you asked Him, have you repented of your life and said, Jesus, I want to live for you? Have you done that? That's the first question. If you haven't, I want you to come this morning and let somebody pray with you to receive Christ. So you can start your journey. Second question is this. Are you running from God? Are you running from the calling on your life? Are you walking in disobedience? Maybe God's called you to specific something. And it's very specific because you heard it from Him. Maybe somebody else confirmed it. Maybe a, a word you got from somebody else confirmed it. There's a calling on your life, but you're running from God. If you're that person, if you're running from God and it's calling your life, I just want you to slip up your hand real quick. All over the room. Just running from God. And put your hands down. Thank you for your honesty.
Don't wait for the big fish to come. Don't wait till you have to ask your buddies to throw you overboard. Find him today. Let somebody speak in your life and be encouraged today to go after God in a way that honors him and will touch the lives of other people. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all the hands that went up, the people that have been running from you, that today the running will cease. Today, if they do any running, it's going to be running to you. And they're going to accept what your calling is on their life. And, Lord, it may not happen tomorrow, but, Lord, that they're going to begin to walk in a way that brings honor and glory to you. And, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, that today would be that day. And, Father, if there's somebody here this morning that just really needs prayer for a physical ailment or an emotional need, that they wouldn't leave this place without getting prayer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just come. We have... We have ministry team at the front we have ministry team at the back and we just welcome you to come and get some prayer this morning thank you lord it's time to quit running from god it's time it's time to quit running from your calling it's time to stay say god i want to track with you from now on some of you need to get rid of some things maybe you're in an unholy line so you just need some prayer and some counsel on that this morning I want to ask you to step out and come. We want to pray for you. You know, you know what that alliance is, and it's not of God. And you think, well, I'm stuck in this. I'm, I'm stuck in this, Pastor. No, God can do miraculous things in your life this morning. So just let Him step out and come. We want to pray for you.